Today is Thursday, February the 8th, 2024, and this is a Daily Inc. update. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in the case involving Donald Trump being removed from the primary ballot in the states of Colorado and Maine. The removal of Trump is based on claims that he is an insurrectionist based on the happenings of January 6th, 2021. This labeling of Trump as an insurrectionist is based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was implemented after the Civil War to prohibit those who aided the Confederacy during the Civil War from taking a leadership role within the new federal government. Trump was impeached by the Democrat-controlled House for these same charges, but the Senate did not convict him. Senate Republicans voted on Wednesday to not advance the border security deal, which allocates most of the $118 billion to countries outside of the U.S., like Ukraine, Israel, and others. It also sends a mere $20 billion to the border in order to stop the invasion going on there. The motion failed to advance, but not without some Republicans, in name only, joining Democrats in voting to proceed with this deal. Those senators were Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, James Langford of Oklahoma, and Mitt Romney of Utah. Speaking of Ukraine, the House Oversight Committee has launched an investigation into U.S. taxpayer money that has already been sent over to that country to assist Ukraine in its conflict with Russia militarily. The investigation comes after the Department of Defense, Inspector General, revealed that 60% of the defense weapons and equipment remain unaccounted for Since June of 2023, the Oversight Committee sent a letter to the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin demanding his cooperation in providing answers to this lack of accountability within the military. While we're on the topic of the Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin will be testifying before the House Armed Services Committee on February 29th about his failure to notify anybody about his hospitalization at the start of 2024. Austin's absence from the U.S. Pentagon came at a time when U.S. military forces were very active in the Middle East and the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen. Five days after his hospitalization, Austin finally decided to let Joe Biden, members of Congress, and the American public know that he had been incapacitated due to complications from prostate cancer. There has been some developments in the second Washington, D.C. case against Donald Trump that involves his handling of classified documents after he left the White House. D.C. Judge Eileen Cannon made a decision against special counsel Jack Smith, who's bringing the charges against Trump. In that decision, Cannon told Smith that discovery material that he wanted kept under seal will be publicly disclosed. Cannon said there is a strong presumption of public access to these documents within a criminal proceeding. Smith wanted certain information regarding the identities of potential witnesses to be kept under wraps. However, Judge Cannon determined that Smith did not provide enough facts that made witness safety outweigh the need for disclosure. While we're talking about courtrooms and trials, actor Jesse Smollett is back in the news. Remember him, the hate crime hoax instigator? Smollett is appealing his case to the Illinois Supreme Court. He's asking that court to weigh in on his conviction for filing a false police report. Smollett made wild claims of being attacked by two white racists wearing MAGA hats in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. in the morning in the middle of a January winter in Chicago. These so-called racists also somehow knew that Smollett was also gay, so they made homophobic slurs against him, wrapped a noose around his neck that they apparently just happened to have in their back pockets, and poured bleach on him, which they also had in the other back pocket. This was all done while Smollett suddenly had a hankering to go to a Subway sandwich shop at 2 a.m. in the morning. After police investigation, two Nigerian brothers who were workout partners with Smollett confessed to being paid by him to play the part of these MAGA racists. 
The American First Legal Foundation has filed a major lawsuit against Maricopa County and Arizona election officials for violating their own state laws. The AFL is representing plaintiffs Eric Loveless and Strong Communities Foundation of Arizona. The lawsuit alleges that in 2022, the Maricopa County election officials refused to maintain the mandatory chain of custody with ballots by way of tracking and reconciling ballots that were cast by the voters. The AFL also cited malfunctions within the ballot counting machines, which rendered some ballots unreadable and unacceptable to the machine, and the county's use of AI, artificial intelligence, to verify mail-in ballot signatures when the state law requires human verification. The lawsuit claims that this put in question about 25,000 ballots, more than the margin of victory in the governor's race, which was between Republican Carrie Lake and Democrat Katie Hobbs. Well, there is a rebellion occurring beneath the surface of the Republican Party in the U.S. Senate. And the person in the crosshairs is Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader who worked up close and personal with Democrat Chuck Schumer in this latest debacle of a border security deal. Senate Republicans responded quickly and decisively with white-hot outrage at the border deal when it first became public, and within 24 hours, McConnell was backing down from his position of pushing that bill. Senate Republicans held a press conference following that in which Ted Cruz called on McConnell to step down from his leadership position in light of the disastrous negotiations from McConnell and Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. The two basically gave Senate Democrats everything they wanted in this deal and capitulated so much to them that it'd be impossible for McConnell to lead the party forward with any negotiating power or leverage. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul admitted as much while he talked with Laura Ingram on Fox News. He's completely out of touch with Kentucky Republicans with conservative Republicans advocating for all this money to go to Ukraine. We're not for that. That, I meet nobody in Kentucky is for that. His approval ratings in Kentucky are almost below zero. They are the lowest of any elected official in the United States. He is working with Biden and Schumer to funnel your money to Ukraine, but he's not working with conservatives. So he is in the minority of his caucus. There's maybe 10 of them that will vote with all of the Democrats. Oh, you're just he, is using, he is using the minority of the big government Republicans up here to work with Democrats to send your money to Ukraine. And the rumors are confirmed that Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News, spent time in Moscow, Russia, and had an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The video of that interview gets released tonight on Carlson's website, as well as his ex-platform account. National Story Updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. I did bring up the national news story about the lawsuit that was filed in Arizona by the America First Legal Foundation. That lawsuit is, of course, challenging the election officials within Maricopa County and the state for their handling of elections and their violation of their own state laws. There are other people revealing the level of election disruption and interference that occurred in 2020 and beyond that, and those people have testified to the House Committee on Administration this week. Here is the president of Capital Research Center, Scott Walter, detailing the level of influence and interference that Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, was able to wield in U.S. elections by way of influencing non-governmental organizations and election officials with a lot of money, millions of dollars, and very dishonest tactics. 
we at the Capital Research Center have published online all our data on the private funding of the 2020 election by the Center for Tech and Civic Life, or CTCL, the main conduit for the so-called Zuckbucks. The percentage of CTCL money that went to jurisdictions Biden won in the battleground states are Arizona, 75% Democrat, Pennsylvania, 83%, Michigan, 86%, Wisconsin, 90%, Georgia, 94%, Nevada, 100%. Mr. Chairman, in your state of Wisconsin, CTCL gave out 188 of its minimum $5,000 grants. It gave out 31 larger grants, three to counties, 28 to cities. 20 of those 28 cities were won by candidate Biden, only eight by candidate Trump. Those 20 Biden cities received 90% of CTCL's dollars in your state. A similar grotesque skewing is seen when we compare the per capita spending in those over $5,000 grants. The average per capita spend in Trump jurisdictions, 55 cents. The average in Biden jurisdictions, $3.75, nearly seven times higher. No wonder the majority of states now ban or restrict such private funding of election offices. No wonder every single governor who's tried to thwart his democratically elected legislature's desire to ban such funding has been a Democrat. No wonder the Wyoming Secretary of State wrote all his county clerks warning them about CTCL, its desires past and present to influence elections with, quote, misleading tactics, and its possible funding from foreign sources. In my home state of Virginia, the opposition to such funding was unanimous in the Senate. Neither party wanted out-of-state billionaires controlling our elections. Yet CTCL ignores this widespread opposition to its agenda and turns instead to ever more insidious schemes to influence elections. Its response to criticism is merely cosmetic. The same day newspaper headlines announced Mark Zuckerberg said he'd never repeat his 2020 election funding, CTCL announced an $80 million rebrand of itself as the Alliance for Election Excellence. And here is journalist Molly Hemingway of the Federalist media outlet recounting all the ways that the U.S. voter has been disenfranchised and discouraged and the democratic election process being thwarted and corrupted. The American system of self-governance is under attack. Instead of an election day where everyone votes at the same time and with the same full set of information, votes are counted quickly and everyone promptly knows and trusts the outcome, we now have lengthy election seasons that can last months prior to and even after election day. The situation is so absurd that we have presidential and gubernatorial debates weeks after some people have already voted. Instead of having total security and a verifiable chain of custody for ballots being issued, cast, and counted, we flood addresses across the country with tens of millions of unsupervised mail-in ballots months ahead of elections, frequently to locations from which voters, if they're even alive, have long since moved. Instead of having election administration that is rigorously nonpartisan and impartial under the law, we have allowed the private takeover of government election offices by partisan oligarchs and their armies of activists who use those offices and their authorities to tilt the election toward favored candidates. Instead of voters being able to vote for the candidate of their choice, powerful interests backed by wealthy oligarchs are working to remove the most popular candidate and the ruling party's chief opponent from the ballot in a move reminiscent of Soviet Russia. 
And if that weren't enough, instead of the top candidates chosen by the people being able to fully engage in a vigorous campaign heading into an election, we have one side actively attempting to throw its opponent in prison and bankrupt his family. Again, reminiscent of Soviet Russia. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update.